Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to season seven of What the Flock. This season, our goal is to carefully approach some very serious and often polarizing topics. The issues we're going to, to focus on have and continue to cause so much damage, people seem unable to civilly discuss these topics. The episodes in this season will give you the tools you need to facilitate your ability to talk about these topics in a beneficial manner. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swikowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm doing rich in love. Rich in love. Yes. Amazing, amazing. Something my mom used to always say. Yeah? Oh, man. Right. Are we are we are we rich in love? In love. Good answer. Well, before we get into today's topics, we have some disclaimers, Joel, one for me, one from you. So I'll start. The seriousness of these issues often results in people not hearing both sides before judging the issue. With that said, we encourage you to be careful sharing anything from these episodes with other people without first encouraging them to hear the entire episode for themselves. And when I say you, I mean you, listener, not you, Joel, but you too, Joel. Thank you. Also, in addition to listening to the entire episode for yourself, not just you, Joel, but also the listener. Right, right. Yep. We highly recommend listening to any previous episodes that are referenced during this episode. Not just you, Joel, but all our listeners. Yeah. Do I hear you? (laughs) You sure do, man. Not just me, but everybody listening. Yes, correct. Yeah, we want to be careful. And these are all topics that I'm sure you've are familiar with at some level and know why would we talk about these topics in the hot button issues season? Well, these are all topics that have been debated at length. And the reason they have and continue to be is because traditional debates do not work. Those types of debates pit two sides against each other. And what happens is each side becomes more concerned in trying to prove their own point than ever trying to learn something new or find out how they could be wrong. This effort of trying to prove their own point often results in people becoming overly emotional about the topic and even triggering. What we've seen is really when it comes to these topics, people seem to want to root themselves even deeper into what they already believe. Yeah. And we saw in the previous six seasons that each issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. One's the loose side, one's the strict side of the argument. Joel, can you give us an overview of the strict and loose sides, please? I'd be happy to. The strict side invites and initiates conflict on these topics. And it tends to be a bully, which what that looks like is using intimidation as a tactic to control people mentally and emotionally. What they'll do is hold people to strict standards in which they rationalize away any need that they would have to hold themselves to that same standard. These people on this strict side will become hypocrites like the Pharisees when they're confronted and their response to that confrontation is to justify why it's okay for them to hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves to. So this is, we see it like a bully, but it's also like a boss, right? Somebody who is a dictator, like, 
I'm entitled to not holding myself to the standard because of the position I'm in. With the loose side, the loose perspective, this side would avoid conflict and avoid tension as much as possible. The standards they hold themselves to are based on how they and others feel, leaving them with no objective measures for what the moral answer is. This side tends to be an enabler, not only to others, but really to themselves, Mm. to not be wrong, to not feel those unsettling or uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do then is remove any of that discomfort brought on by confrontation. What they do is they show they don't actually care for others when they avoid confronting them, especially those who are in pain and who need confrontation. And they avoid this for their own benefit, again, so that they don't feel the discomfort of confronting others. Awesome summary. Okay, so we either have bullying tendencies or enabling tendencies. Those are both sides of the argument here. And the number one technique we're going to use throughout this season is to repeat back to the opposing side what they believe to their satisfaction before making our point. It's the only way to have a profitable interaction because it causes people to listen to the other side once they know they've been heard. And debating would actually be a benefit if seeking first to understand was the guiding principle that the debating mediators followed. It's not normally the case. Right. So in this season, we're actually trying to help people develop a new skill that we don't see today. And so that's that's right. Right. right? So that's why we're going to focus on seeking first to understand the other person. Yeah. Okay. Which leads us to today's topic. Joel, what are we talking about today? Money. Money. Yeah. What is the strict side of the topic? The strict side would say money is a measure of your faith in God. Ooh, measure as in like proof, right? Like a proof. So allow me to repeat that back to you. Money is a measure or proof of your faith in God. Does that make, do I understand you? Yes, you do. Thank you. Thank you. What about the loose side? The loose side would say money is bad. Ooh. Okay. Money's bad. So allow me to repeat that back to you. Money's bad. (laughs) Bad. Already did. (laughs) Okay, cool. Do do I understand you? Yeah, I feel understood. Thank you. Okay. So in summary, the strict side, money is a measure of your faith in God and loose side money is bad. Yeah. Nice. So let's look at the contrastive sides. Okay. So let's hear if you, Joel, we're arguing for the strict side. How would you do that? For the strict side, I would say a positive confession of faith allows Christians to exercise dominion over their souls and material objects around them, including provision or wealth. Now, on this same side, If I was on the strict side against the loose, I would say to someone on the loose side, poverty and illness are curses that can be broken by faith. And again, from the strict side, 
to someone on the loose side, I could ask the following question. If you think money is bad, then why don't you give me your money or <laughs> just give it all away? Right. Excellent. Okay. How would you argue for the loose side? For the loose side, I would say poverty would cause you to rely on God and that would grow your faith. Now, again, from the loose side against someone on the strict side, I could quote 1 Timothy 6.10 that says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And then I could ask from the loose side to someone on the strict the following question. Didn't Jesus say in Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Excellent. Which brings us to the ultimate answer. What is the ultimate answer, Joel? Well, hopefully by now you're seeing a pattern. The the ultimate answer in season seven is always going to go back to first and foremost, leadership, grace, and love, with an emphasis on Paul's approach as we shared in the season seven supplementary episode, which if you haven't listened to, please do. Everything in that supplementary episode is the foundation of season seven. Nice. What we learned from that episode is we need to know whether we are talking to a believer or an unbeliever. We need to know whether we are talking to someone who is strong in the faith or weak in the faith. We do not want to cause a believer to stumble, and we want to reach the unbeliever for God. So what's it look like to be a leader as it relates to this topic? We ought to seek to understand the other person's perspective. With this topic, we could start with making sure we understand each other's definitions of the keywords we're using. Good, bad, evil, money, wealth, faith etc. Now with the principles of grace and love, ultimately when interacting with either side, the person ought to take direction from God via grace in order to love that unique person. Grace and love are key to avoiding enabling and key to avoiding judging the other person with the hopes of winning or edifying them. So in preparation for a discussion about money, I would encourage you to listen to the Grace and Love episodes, Season 2, Episode 13, and Season 1, Episode 15, respectively. Now, once you've done that and you're prepared to be taking direction from God, to love the other person, proven by how you've led them, and you want to step into the context of talking about money, here is a perspective that you may not have thought of. Money is important to God because next to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic. However, a very important thing to know about Jesus and his oft speaking of money, Jesus was not focused quantitatively or not on the amount of money a person had. Jesus was focused qualitatively. He was focused on how the person handled money. Nice. So let's support this point with scripture. Matthew 5, 42 says, give to him who asks you 
and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Here, from Jesus, we see how to handle, not how much you have. Luke 3.14, likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, and what shall we do? So he, Jesus, said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Again, not how much, but how you handle it. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, Jesus is showing us how to handle money is more important than how much you have. Luke 16, 13, again, from Jesus's mouth, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or God and money. Again, how to handle money, not how much you have. Luke 16, 11 through 12. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Mm -hmm. If you have not been faithful, if you have not been faithful, if you have not handled well, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Hmm. So again, Jesus is emphasizing how we handle our money is more important than how much we have. Notice the way you treat money is the way you ought to treat the spiritual aspects because they operate under the same principles. Money is tangible and the spirit is intangible. Money can't be faked, which is why people get so emotional about it. Yet people do fake the spiritual aspects, which works because you can't see the spiritual. Makes sense. And finally, if the plethora of verses that from Jesus' own mouth didn't convince you, let's look at two more examples from our friend, the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 4.28 says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Like Jesus, Paul's more focused on how we handle our money and not how much we have. And then 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Again, how we handle these physical or tangible resources is more important than how much of those things we have. Like Jesus, Paul's in agreement. So we have lots of support from Scripture showing the focus ought to be on how to handle money, not on how much, and how money works according to the same principles as spiritual value. The next point I want to make comes from an excerpt from Season 4, Episode 1, Church versus Business. Nice. Check out the episode for yourself. Because you'll hear a more in-depth explanation of hurdles versus drivers. Mm -hmm. A hurdle is a required level that must be met in order to have progress. But the profitability in that aspect drops off after that level is exceeded. So a simple example of this is cup holders in a car. There is a cap to the profitability. 
I might be able to say four cup holders is enough. I might not be able to say five is enough or six enough. You might want five or six or eight, but do you need 50? Mm. No, now the amount of cup holders is getting in the way of other things that I need in my car. Do you need a hundred? No. Do you need 10,000? No. Like seriously, now it's getting ridiculous. It's like proving it's a hurdle. There is an amount that's enough. We replaced your steering wheel with a cup holder. (laughs) Right. That's the measure. When they start (laughs) getting in the way of the steering wheel, I don't need any more. So that's a hurdle. A driver continues to give a return as the quantity of the aspect increases. A good example that we use for this is gas mileage. No one's going to say, I'm good with 25 miles to the gallon. I don't want 30 or 50 or 100. Right. Here, just like with the cup holders, I could say, no, give me 50 miles to the gallon. No, give me 10,000 miles to the gallon. I would love to be able to fill my car up with a gallon of gas and never have to go to the gas station again. That's a driver. There is no cap. The more, the better. Nice. Money is a hurdle, not a driver. But remember, money works according to principles, the same principles as spiritual profitability. So as the church, we're meant to focus on the four causes of church. Season four, episode two, check it out. Apostles Doctrine, Breaking of Bread, Fellowship, Prayer. Together, these are the drivers behind the church. We do need resources or money to do these things. We need enough to do these things. And when that hurdle is, quote, jumped over, we can focus on doing the four causes of church more and more and more over time. There's not enough. Hmm. So final point, going back to 1 Timothy 6.10, we heard it earlier in the episode, the love of money is the root of all evil. Although translated into the English word love, the original language does not use the word agape that we're familiar with. Agape is the Greek word, which we know means to give a value without expecting anything in return from the person to whom you gave. Here, the Greek word in 1 Timothy 6.10 is the word philargria, and a more accurate interpretation of this Greek word would be the friend of silver instead of the love of money. So this verse, 1 Timothy 6.10, actually speaks to people who look to the material, devoid of its spiritual causes, as preeminent. And it is the only usage of philagria in the entire Bible. Hmm. So Jesus cared about how you qualitatively handle your money because it gives insight into how a person is capable of handling the spiritual realm. Now, this does not mean that the person will handle the spiritual realm well. In fact, one could say the most evil people are wealthy. However, not all wealthy people are evil. Allow me to state the following carefully, and I ask that the audience listen carefully. If a person is wealthy, they are responsible for acting in the same way in the spiritual realm, and they can be judged for how they are leading the rest of us. If they stop short and don't apply the same principles 
in the more important and more real realm, but rather distract all of us from the spiritual realm by encouraging us to look to the physical and to the quantitative, which actually prevents us from learning how to apply these principles in the spiritual realm, then they are the ones doing the most damage to the world. That's a huge sobering point to land on, especially in the land of America, the land of opportunity, the land of the American dream, where everybody thinks being rich and famous is the end-all be-all of, of life. Please press pause, rewind what I shared. Nice. Take yeah. some time to listen to it again if you need to. But that would be the final point of this ultimate answer. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat back a bunch of stuff to you, but I just want to take a second to unpack this. The point that you just made, which is if you know how to handle physical wealth and you can accumulate physical wealth, the same principles apply to accumulating spiritual wealth. Yes. And so you can, if you know how to generate physical wealth and you're responsible, then you are, that there is a greater responsibility of, of like, essentially, it's like you've been gifted with the ability to generate wealth. And if you are distracting people with physical stuff, then you're putting a stumbling block in Ooh, front of people. Yeah. You're literally, yep. you've been given this gift and you're damaging and you're stopping and you're blocking people from approaching God to gain spiritual wealth. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Thank you. I am so jacked by this. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. okay, now let me officially repeat back to officially. you. Officially, yes. <laughs> to your satisfaction, Joel, because I really... I want people to learn how to understand another person. That's really what right. we're we're all about. Ultimately in the season, that's what we're about. And in order to lead the other person with love, we need to take direction from God. And grace and love are the keys to avoiding enabling, which is, you know, avoiding being on the loose side and the key to avoiding judging, which is being on the strict side. And if we do focus on, loving leading and grace we're going to win and edify people yeah so going into the context of money money is important it is important to god it is important to jesus because next to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of god jesus spoke about money more than any other topic wow yeah and it, yep. jesus wants us to be spiritually wealthy he does so what so a uses, great analogy yeah there you go that's exactly it what is important about what what you mentioned is that when jesus is talking about money he's not focused on the quantity of money he's not saying get more money get more money get more physical money so it's not on the amount of it because he literally says 
don't store up your treasures on earth. Right, right. Right. So he he knocks that out. So it's not about so why is he talking about money? He's focused on it qualitatively. So he's 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 focused on how a person handles their money or how do you handle your wealth? Yeah. Regardless of how small or how big. Right. How do you handle it? And that's what it was all about with Jesus was on quality. Because why was Jesus caring about this quality? Because it gave insight about how a person is capable of handling their spiritual wealth or in the intangible realm, the spiritual realm. If the realm that you want to be in and operate in is the spiritual realm, if that's the important realm, then money is a hurdle that helps when you get the right amount of it, you should stop thinking of uh, you. You should stop using that as, you know, it's not a cup holder anymore. You don't need 10,000 monies. You need enough to focus. And so there's a limit to how much a person ought to be focusing on money while remaining profitable. So I can focus on money and actually become less profitable yeah, because it's distracting me away from the spiritual. Right. Um, and so when the focus on money becomes a distraction from focusing on the spiritual causes in life, that's where this is damaging. So again, showing that the ultimate answer is dependent on the uniqueness of the individual. How much money is it important for me so that it's not a distraction? How many cup holders do you need where you're not getting in your car thinking, man, if I only had another cup holder, bam, car accident. Exactly. Where do I set down my coffee? Bam, car accident. It's like, exactly. How many cup holders do I need where that's not an issue? That's the same with money. It's a hurdle. How much money do I need to where I'm not focused on money anymore? Perfect. Where I'm focused on the spiritual. So if that doesn't, if if my commentary at the end of your explanation of the ultimate answer doesn't say it, I'll say it now. I feel heard. Thank <laughs> okay, you. Okay, good. Good, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thank you. This is, this is actually a really, really exciting episode, especially just like you said, being in America where we are, what are we, one per, the 1% of the world? Yeah, yeah. And so therefore we are, we, you know, I think- Relatively speaking, ask, right? Right. Yeah. I think if I were to ask you, are you wealthy? You'd probably, you, no, but what's the measure? I would say for the average person, you and I might actually say, of, of course, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that means that therefore we are responsible to help other people generate spiritual wealth. Right, right. So there we go. Well, thank you, Joel. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, man, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this topic and how to deal with people who either bully or enable, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.